Hey everybody, good to be with you today. Uh, thank you for tuning in and you'll wanna stick through the entire message today because this is one of the most encouraging messages, especially to those who feel like the enemy has stolen or raided from your life things that you feel like you've lost, things that have diminished, things that you feel like have been taken. Um, and today we wanna talk about one of the most incredible uh, stories in the scripture about how we recover what the enemy has stolen. So that's the title of the message today, Recovering What the Enemy Has Stolen. Next week, we're gonna talk about recovering things that we lost by our own mistakes. And we're gonna see an amazing, incredible picture of God's grace that will blow your mind because it has blown my mind. Uh, I wanna start with this premise, this idea, this is a truth. You and I, we were born into a world. The world is not just the earth. It's not just a... Uh, you know, this physical globe, right? The world is also a system. And the Bible says that this world is controlled by the God of this world, which is Satan. One day Jesus is gonna come back and claim full reign and authority and ownership of this earth. The Bible says that the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we're in this process of the kingdom coming and we're fighting and we're battling and we're advancing. But you and I were born into a war zone. This, this world is a field and it's also a battlefield, right? So it's a field where a harvest is growing and that harvest one day will be reaped in the very end. So you're gonna have wheat, which belongs to Jesus and tares, which are those who rejected Christ and will be in eternal damnation. But while we're here, we live in this world's system. And here's the thing, the world is broken and the world works to break everybody in it. But then when we're born again into Jesus Christ, we come into a kingdom that is marked by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that we escape the pressures and the breaking power of this world, but we do have authority over it. But we're still in a tug of war. We're still in a tension. And so we have to understand this because sometimes people come to Jesus and say, hey man, I thought when I came to Jesus, like all my problems would be gone. Like I wouldn't stub my toe. I, you know, I'd never get an ingrown hair. Um, I'd never experience suffering. I'd never get ticked off. You know, I wouldn't lose my job. No, I know a lot of people, I know many Christians who gave their life to Jesus and, and in some ways things look like they got worse because the enemy does not want us to walk in the righteousness, peace, and joy that the kingdom we were born into is marked by. And so he will fight to rob steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, this is what the Bible says in John 10, 10. The thief or Satan comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Can I get an amen? This is God's plan for your life, to give you life to the full. But that life to the full does not mean that we're bulletproof or that we will not have to fight a battle or sometimes the devil doesn't come in and raid our lives. And so here's what we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna get right into the scripture here, recovering what the enemy stole. First Samuel 30, and we come upon David, King David. He's running with a, a, a band of rough brothers and uh, he's, he's on the run. Saul has been pursuing him. Um, he's been anointed king, but Saul is still on the throne and David is just kind of hanging out. In fact, he's hanging out with the Philistines in chapter 29 and they said, no, we're not allowing you and your men to fight with us. Uh, 
you're going to have to go. They didn't trust that David would actually, you know, not turn on them because David was famous for killing Goliath. So then while they're out at battle, uh, we read what happens to the town that their wife and children were in. And we pick it up here. Verse one. Now, when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziglag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voice, their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Have you ever been in a situation where you, you cried and you wept until you had no more strength to weep? You, you, you done like emptied the well. You can't even get any water out of those tear ducts because you drained everything you had in you because of the agony of something that you experienced, a loss, a, a, uh, an attack of the enemy, a, a tragedy, um, a, a season that finally you came to a breaking place and this might have been re- your response. David, David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. So put yourself in the scene, okay? Now I know that Jesus hadn't come yet, um, but you're a Christian and man, you're serving God. David was serving God. You're worshiping the Lord. You're giving your tithes. You're faithful to the Lord. Yeah, we make mistakes. David made mistakes. But, but you're doing God's will, believing that you're under his protection, under his blessing, and you ride back into your town, whatever that is. You ride back into your world, and you're excited to see your family, and all of a sudden, on the horizon, there's smoke rising from the place and the people you care about the most. You don't hear the sound of children running. You don't hear the rustle and bustle of the farmers out in the field. All you see is smoke. And as you ride closer, you can tell that something bad happened. Now, I know that most of us can't really relate to this exactly, but have you ever experienced something in your life where one day it was sunny and in an instant it turned into a cold, dark night of the soul? That something that you valued so much, something that you cared about, something that was so precious to you, it could have been your peace of mind. It doesn't necessarily have to be anybody in particular. It doesn't have to be financial ruin, although it could be. But, But something that, man, it felt like it was so beautiful and intact and in a short period of time, there's there's smoke coming and there's fire burning and whatever it was is gone or broken or lost and you don't know what to do, and you're, you are crushed to the very core. Uh, this is what David was experiencing. And, and you know what's interesting is we're going to notice David's response um, to the enemy's raid. He felt the agony just like the rest of the men did. These men are weeping, they're, they're crying, um, and they're, they're feeling the sense of loss. David was feeling the same thing too. But he does something in the midst of his agony that none of the other men did. And this is one of the first keys to recovering what the enemy has stolen from our lives. We got to get this. In verse six, it says, and David was greatly distressed for the people, these men spoke of stoning him 
because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. So David is not just hurting and in agony. He's also like, hey, I'm the leader here. And because there's loss and I happen to be in charge. Now, it wasn't anybody's fault. They were just out and these raiders, the Amalekites came and, and took their family. And, and, and so he's also like, man, I'm not just hurting, but now these men want to turn on me and they want to kill me. Do you ever notice that when an attack of the enemy comes, pay attention to what happens in your heart. Pay attention to what happens around you. I've seen this time and time and time again, because the, the enemy is very crafty, right? What we'll do is when a family's under attack, a marriage, a church, or any group, um, we're tempted when it's an outside spiritual attack, we're tempted to start like gathering buckets of rocks and we start to get an itch to start hucking these rocks at the people who have also been attacked because hurt people hurt people, right? We, we, we get our eyes focused on the wrong thing. We've got an enemy who stole something from us, in this case, family, children, wives, daughters, sons, and what do we do with the pain, right? We're so embittered, we're so broken. Uh, let's find someone to blame. Let's find someone to throw a stone at. And we turn on ourselves and, de and devour one another. Satan, you'll notice when he launches an attack on your joy, he, he, he launches an attack on your peace, maybe on your faith, on your hope, on your, your finances. He, he always leaves behind a bucket of rocks and he will always follow that leaving of the rocks with whispers of division and dissension because he doesn't want you to pursue and recover what he took. What he wants you to do is he wants you to, to kill one another, to maim one another, and to, to propagate or perpetuate division. This is the second round of his attack. And, and this is why the Bible says in Ephesians 6:12, for we, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, and, and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Listen, you have to remind yourself of this because Dave Riesinger is so guilty of when I'm under stress, it's easy to snap at the people I love, or it's easy to blame somebody else, or it's easy to, 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 to get my eyes focused on a person being the problem instead of understanding that it's a principality maybe behind the person. Remember when uh, Peter's like, hey Jesus, you're not gonna go to the cross. Don't worry, you're not gonna have to suffer. Jesus didn't say, Peter, you're a punk, man. I should slap you. He didn't say that. He said, get behind me, Satan. He, he recognized the spirit that was working through Peter. And if we're going to recover what the enemy's stolen, we have to remember who the enemy is, and it's not the people who are also hurting around us, although sometimes they might be a channel for the pain that we're experiencing. And so, if, if, if you've ever been a train wreck emotionally, this is one thing David does that they didn't do. Verse six, the second part of verse six, he, he weeps, he cries, he has no more strength. And, and look at what he says here. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What does this mean? Now, that sounds like a great scripture, unless you are emotionally distraught and you are broken down and you've got no more strength. Sometimes hearing scriptures like this from people, um, they actually can be very annoying and sometimes offensive. Now you shouldn't feel this way. 
But have you ever been like at a very low place and uh, somebody comes along trying to encourage you and they just drop a scripture on your lap and you're, you, they have no idea what you're feeling, but they're like, hey brother, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And you're thinking like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to rejoice. I want to kick you in your Adam's apple. Like, please don't talk to me. Please don't drop one-liners on me. Yeah, have you ever felt like that? I'm just admitting I've felt like this before, right? You know, or, or your sister comes along and you are just broken and they're having the time of their life. They're just in the Holy Ghost zone. Everything's falling their way. Like they're in a rain shower. Everybody else is getting wet and literally no water's hitting them. Have you ever seen people like that while you're simultaneously in a bad place? And, and they come by and they're like, sister, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. They quote, and it's good. I'm not mocking the word of God, but in your bitter place, you're like, yeah, I don't want to hear that right now. What I want to hear is you not talking. Or actually what I'd love to hear is maybe you screaming in the lake of fire just for a weekend. I don't want you to go there for eternity. You're my sister in Christ. But, but we get to these bitter places. And David, instead of taking that bait like the other men did, we're going to kill David. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, again, that can sound like a cliche if you're in a living hell right now. But what does it mean? I'm going to break this down. I, I, I've never dove into this word until last night when I was like, I, I need to dig a little deeper into this. The word to strengthen myself in the Lord, it's the Hebrew word kazak. And it, it's, this is the craziest meaning. And it almost sounds unbiblical. But I, I, I went over this with a fine-tooth comb so I didn't speak any false doctrine. Okay, don't miss this. When you encourage yourself in the Lord, it doesn't mean just lighting a candle, throwing on some Michael W. Smith, getting some sleepy time chamomile tea, and, uh, and rocking back and forth trying to create peace. I'm not mocking that. I'm just saying it actually is a very testosterone-laden uh, phrase. And here's what it means. It means to adopt or apply a strong posture to become mighty, powerful, strong. It literally means to power up. So David is empty and he's like, forget this, man. I am, I'm gonna power up right now. It's like the Hulk going from a man to a monster. And some of you are thinking like, we don't become monsters as Christians. Okay, we're little Messiah monsters, right? We're a kinder, gentler beast. But, but we, we Hulk out. This is what it's talking about. Like, I'm ripping out of this garment of despair. Like, I've cried all I can cry. I've wept all I can wept. I've groaned in agony. And it's time to sit up. It's time to get up. It's time to go into the presence of God and remind myself who God is and who I am in him. I will not sit here and lay down and take this from the enemy. I'm not a doormat. I'm not a punk. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the son or the daughter of a king, the king, the king of kings, the Lord of hosts. And, and because that, I know that God can never lose a battle. And he's with me because I'm with him. And so this is what it means. Now, it also means this. This is one of the phrases or definitions. To become arrogant and gain ascendancy in the Lord. It's like this. It's like, it's like puffing out your chest in the Lord and saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, no. No, God's name is greater than anything. You stole from me, enemy. You, you took my family. You took my joy. You robbed me of something that was precious that the Lord himself gave me. Uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not playing that. 
because my God is greater. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. God has called me and he's anointed me and he's given me his spirit and nothing by any means shall harm me because I'm called to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Sometimes you've got to have a pep talk and power up and encourage yourself in the Lord. There's a time to lay down and, and cry, but there's also a time that we rise up and we get a hold of a courage that is spirit born. It also means to harden yourself. Now, you never want to harden your, your heart, but it means to harden yourself against the voices that want to call, that call you into fetal position and into quitting and into running. I'm going to harden myself, lay hold of, and be persuaded that God is victorious. Now, I know that sounds really rah-rah, but I'm telling you straight up, try this, because your flesh and your wounded soul don't want to do that. This is, this is, this is when, when everybody else is bitter and empty, David gets with God and he powers up. And when you begin to speak the truth, I do this. Sometimes I will, when I'm discouraged, I will look up scriptures on encouragement. When I feel fearful, I'll look up scriptures on boldness and faith. And I will literally pace in my man cave and I will speak scriptures. I don't want to speak them. I don't feel like speaking it but I'm going to let faith override my feeling. I'm going to let the truth of God's word overcome my trembling. And I'm going to declare what is real versus the raid that came against me because Satan roars like a lion, but he doesn't have teeth. If you will expose who he really is and how big our God is according to the word. So again, it's about going against what you feel and standing on the truth of God's word. This is how David encouraged himself. I spent time on that, but I, I wanted to drive that point home as we get into the rest of this because it was from that point that everything shifted and David rallied his men. No one was doing this, but one man can rally an entire group of people. One woman can rally an entire group of people if they'll take this posture. So David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Now, what does this mean? This is the spiritual equivalent of saying, homie, pop the trunk, right? Now, if you don't know what that means, that's like street slang for open the trunk, let me get the weapon, my gun, and we're about to go to work. So he says, he basically says to Abiathar, dude, pop the trunk, go get me the ephod. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David starts to go to work in prayer. Now this ephod, um, in, in some places it was this carving, they think it was like a carving that they would put up like a, like a portable idol um, that was used in worship. Um, but really the ephod was a priestly garment that was worn by the high priest and uh, he would wear this into the presence of God and, and the one who stood in the presence of God and spoke to God on behalf of the people would wear this ephod. And what's interesting is that David was not a high priest, which is a, another story for another. He was a king. He wasn't a priest. And yet we see this kind of New Testament trust in God or in the Lord that he said, I know God well enough and I understand prayer. And he took this kind of like priestly rite upon himself and he went into the presence of God wearing this ephod. And I love this because 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you and I 
are a chosen race. Here's what you are if you're a believer in Christ. You are a royal priesthood. Think about this. You could not go into the presence of God. You wouldn't be touching an ephod, not wearing it, unless you were a high priest. But, but Jesus calls you a priest because you have been clothed and robed in his righteousness. He says that you're a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What does this have to do with recovering what the enemy stole? Because I have to remind myself that the enemy broke into the house of a priest, of one who's a part of a holy nation, of one who's clothed in righteousness. And if I just see myself as a victim um, on, on, the, on the chessboard of life, I'm not gonna wanna get on my horse and go after my stuff. But when I know that he broke into royalty and he robbed from the child of God, I, I, I then remind myself, I have a right to speak to God about this and I can approach him with boldness. So David, in verse eight, inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Come on, I don't know what you lost. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you feel like has been stripped from your life, but I wanna tell you, if God gave it to you, right? I'm not saying stuff that you got yourself, but if God gave it to you, if it is a part of your inheritance in Christ, if it is a blessing from God, that he gave and he wants in your life according to his good and perfect will, then if you will pursue it, you will recover all surely. But you've got to pursue and you can't pursue unless you are encouraged in the Lord. So David right here, you know, sometimes, sometimes we see God just brings it back, but sometimes we got to pop the trunk. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, the Lord will just bring it back on a wave of blessing and other times he's like, it, it, it's time to put on the, 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 the war paint. It's time to rally the troops and it's time to ride on your enemy. There's a time to lay down and there's a time to get up, man up and get on your horse and ride. And this is what God is telling David to do. And, and, and this is what uh, he says in verse nine. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him and they came to the brook Bezor where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind uh, because they were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor, right? Sometimes we're in the pursuit of pursuing collectively as a church, as a group, as a family. Sometimes we're trying to get back ground that the enemy took. And, and, and the reality is, is that there's gonna be some in the group that have more energy, more passion, more faith to, to keep going. And there's some that are going to stay behind. And it doesn't mean that they're bad because sometimes you're going to fight for some other people's stuff. And sometimes you're going to be the one that's too exhausted to get up and you're doing your best and you made it halfway, but you're going to guard the gear and you're going to pray from a distance and God's going to have you play a different role, but there's going to be people fighting for you, right? And so David is going to get back everybody's things. And it says this, they found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. They gave him water to drink and they gave him a piece of cake and a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit was revived for he had not eaten 
bread or drunk water for three days or three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negev of uh, the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. He's confessing to the very thing that David and his men had just suffered. And David said to him, will you take me down to this band or this, this army? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master and I will take you to this band. You know what I love about this? Is that sometimes uh, in, in, in us recovering what the enemy stole, the Lord will use unfathomable uh, things, unexpected things. It's not like there was a defector in the high ranks of the Amalekites. This is literally a young, starving, slick, sick, worthless slave who got kicked out by the enemy, who got left behind, and, he, and then God uses him in this divine connection to bring him to the very front door of everything that was lost. You know, sometimes when we're in pain, we fail to see those little miracles that God puts right in front of us, those clues, those signs, those confirmations that he gives us. Pay attention when you're pursuing that which is lost because God will bring some unexpected things to bring you to the very doorstep of that which you need to recover. So he says this, and then we're going to close. David recovered all, uh, oh, no, it says in verse uh, 16, uh, and, and when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because all of the great spoils that had taken from the land of the Philistines, from the land of Judah, and David struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped um, except 400 young men who mounted on camels and fled. You know, this is interesting because there's been times in my life, uh, you have a word from the Lord, you're encouraged, you have the, 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 the support of people around you, and you go and you want it to be kind of one of these Gideon things where you break a jar and hold up a torch and everything just kind of works out. But other times, it's not going to be that easy. Sometimes you're going to have to you're going to have to fight all night. You're going to have to fight for a few days. You're going to sweat. It's going to be bloody hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's just part of the faith. But you know what I love about this? Is David did not step out on his own thinking. David stepped out on a word from God. And David came home covered in the blood of his enemy. His shirt torn. Drained from losing every ounce of fluid in his body from working and fighting, his men tattered, but not one was killed, not anything was lost, and they brought home their wives, their children, and they also brought back the spoil of the enemy. Come on, this is the promise of God. If we will pursue that which is lost, then God will not just bring us what was lost, but in the process, we take home another treasure. We get spoils beyond what we lost, because when you act in the fight and the walk of faith, you bring home the treasure of experience, you, you level up in your capacity, you level up in your, your trust in the Lord, and there are other things that I can't even name because God's so creative in how he personalizes the spoils for our lives. And I won't read the rest of it, but you'll see 
that the, some of the men in the group said, hey, we got all this stuff. We're not giving it to these 200 men that didn't come fight with us. Because they didn't fight with us, they don't get anything. You know what David said? He's like, no, we're not going to roll like that. We're going to treat this as a community. When one of us wins, we all wins. And this is a great picture of the community of faith, the church. Listen, some are weaker, some are stronger, but we fight together and everybody benefits because God called us as one body. And so this is why we rally. It may not be your exact war. It may not be your exact stuff that got stolen, but if my brother or my sister in Christ is suffering, I'm getting on my knees and I'm praying. If they're low on food and I got extra, I'm, I'm giving. If, if it's finances and I've got some and they have none, I'm gonna do what I can to fight for my family in the faith and help them recover because we are one and ultimately it's for the glory of God. And so today as we close, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what was stolen from your life, but I promise you this, God will be with you when you walk out on his word and he will give you victory over the enemy. I don't know how it'll look. Again, uh, everything is so unique in our lives. But I know this, our God is greater than the enemy who comes against us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Our God is strong and powerful and his arm is mighty to save. And so I wanna pray for you right now and I'm gonna pray that the Lord would encourage you and that you would hear from God and you would know how to pursue those areas in your soul, your family, your marriage, your life that you need recovery. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my friends right now and I ask that God, you would bring a miraculous recovery and restoration of those things that are lost, uh, self-dignity, self-respect, innocence, peace, peace of mind, hope, faith, God, uh, marital uh, unity, Lord God, financial loss, bring it back, God. I pray that you would bring back that which is lost. Lord God, I ask right now that there would be an encouragement upon those watching and that God, you would fill them with courage and boldness to conquer, to pursue, and to retrieve everything that's lost. And I thank you that you will bring spoils beyond what we imagine as we trust you in the battle. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thank you for watching. Uh, if this is an encouraging word somebody needs to hear, pass it along. If you want more information on Redeemed Church or want to get plugged in, even via Zoom in one of our groups, go to redeem.church. Love you. Have a great week.